Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Rookie is a free serialized audiobook meant for mature audiences. Written and performed by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. For links to order a young adult version of this book without all the cussing, in print, ebook, or audiobook, visit scottsigler.com slash the rookie one word. This podcast contains mature situations, adult language, and lots and lots of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, junkies. Here we are with part two of the rookie adult version. Q&A. We got so many questions, we couldn't even get through them in three hours worth of podcasting. This is another 90-minute or so episode. Hope you guys enjoy hearing your fellow junkies ask questions of me and me answering, and questions of Big John Viscara, continuities are for the Sigliverse. And who knows, your own question may be in here somewhere. It's a very long episode, so we're going to get right into it. We'll be back next week with a brand new story, something we're starting out, something very experimental. Hopefully you guys will join us for that. But without further ado, here we go with the Rookie Q&A Part 2. Hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday. This is the second episode of the Rookie Adult Version Q&A. A got assaulted. That's the wrong word. A got a fuselot of questions came in this week, including a whole bunch that came in today. Because you're all lollygaggers. What do you do? You lollygag to first. You lollygag to second. You're lollygagging all over the place. I will give you guys this. There are a handful of you who were super smart and were like, you know what I'm going to do? I didn't realize that we were going to get to talk to Big John Vizcara as well. (laughs) That's of course what happened. So I have to send in a handful of questions that A has to answer, John has to answer, and sometimes Scott has to answer. Hey, Shannon. What's up, girl? What's up, girl? Shannon. He says. Shannon, I know that Shannon watched Martin and also thought... uh, Gina was the business. I'm going to take a wild guess. Shannon and I have a lot in common. I'm going to take a it's wild true, guess. It's true, but Shannon is also like a billion years younger than we are. I bet she watched Martin, dude. I bet it was in reruns or something. Do they have reruns anymore? That's how old we are. I think you can just YouTube it now or stream it. You can. All yeah. right. So uh, we didn't get mutual adoration. No, I did. I told I, you. I told you look gorgeous. You. And I said that you were adorable. Oh, oh my God. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. I'm so, I'm so flattered. Uh, let's see. Let's go to... Oh, Shannon said, fuck yeah, she did. Yeah, that's my girl. There we go. All right. And hey, of Mike, course, nice to see you. let's switch over to your Cam Sugar Plum because we have a special guest in the house once again. Here he is. Big John Vizcoro! Uh-oh, uh-oh. What we got in the message oh. today? Oh, beer. <laughs> so you guys who are in the chat room or, or listening to this uh, on Mon- on Sunday or Monday or next week, um, John is currently wearing a hat that has a little scrolling LED sign, uh, sort of a John Tweedy-esque kind of thing. And um, he, it currently says, oh, beer. 
why do you hate me so? <laughs> and uh, the reason that he's wearing that, that is a thing. Is it Quentin who says that, John? It's John, uh, John Tweedy. Tweedy it's John it. Tweedy. That's what I figured. It's John Tweedy who says that. But the reason John Tweedy says that is that it, I think it was Sigler Fest 2017 or 18, I think. But at a, really, yeah. somewhere kind of in there, uh, at a Sigler Fest the next morning um, after a late night of beer drinking, yep. uh, this was the thing that he posted on Facebook and said at breakfast. And Scott was like, <laughs> oh, that's, that's absolutely <laughs> going in a that's book. That's going in a book. <laughs> that is absolutely going in a book. How are you, John? Doing well, thank you. Good, yeah. good, good. John, oh, I just changed. That's the chat. Let's go to. Oh, I screwed that up. My bad. Uh -oh. Let's go to, what you doing? Well, I'm trying to figure out this chat guest. I just screwed up. I'm gonna fi everybody watch the magic, the TV magic, as I fix this again. While John walks us through his very, very Sigler specific office for doing the Sigler work. Yeah, look at all that. So John, what, show us that. Show, what do you have show the setup. You? So uh, this is this is my typical setup for when I'm working and uh, working on a book. So I've got my my stack of uh, of books um, with their hardcover inserts that I like to reference for a lot of extra information. And then uh, this is my iBooks version of uh, all the EPUB editions of the of the Sigler books that I can easily search through up, uh, for particular phrases hey, or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then I've got these all these different windows open, including the manuscript that I'm editing, uh, previous versions of the manuscript to check against that, notes that I keep, um, and the the summaries that I that I write up for Scott. And then on this side here, there's more referencing. This is the quiff quiff eye chart. There's the explanation of the seasons and, uh, for the GFL and how they uh, wrap around and and uh, overlap between tier two and tier three. And then a uh, couple other files and everything. Anyway, this is a typical kind of setup for when I'm when I'm uh, doing the continuity editing. Right. And I want to tell you guys, if you look at that, not the one that has the book covers on it, but the monitor behind him that doesn't, that has those colorful things and all those uh, data and all that. Um, that is not a thing that Scott gave John or John. This is for John to do his job for empty set. And it's. Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. The um, the uh, amount of luck and grace that we have to know John and his gorgeous wife, Kim, as well. But the amount of grace that we have as a tiny, tiny business um, to have John care this much about this second or maybe third job. I don't even know. But at least second <laughs> job that he has. He has a normal life and job and wife John, and John, friends. John's and he an does extra. this too. So we're very lucky. John's an extra on In Living Color to also go way back in time. <laughs> and he got many, jo he got many jobs. He, he only got four jobs. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is John's office. That is awesome. Let's so, get back to the. Let's get back to Maine real quick. Pep over here. Real, no, pep oh, to your camp. Okay. Real quick, let's go. We've got, of course, what's coming up in this episode? Big John in the house again. Junkie Bet celebrations. Junkie picks are are next. They're coming up next week. We got some. You got to stay to the end, you guys. Very super important major announcement. That if you don't pay attention at the end, you're going to get a zit like right here. Right I mean, there. I don't even know what that is. It's terrible. So I guess I should pay attention because Christmas is coming. I get to teach you because next week on December 14th, is that right? Do I have that right? Sure. Why not? Is Today's the 7th. December 14th, we start our new show and it is some batshit crazy shit. <laughs> it is bonkers where it's sex nerds. Look, there's a lot of sweaty bondage paper, lever. Yep. Raise up. Changes my... I become very tangerine. Are you a V? Are no. you a visitor? Uh, well, I'm a vivid. Okay. 
You're just my you're my vivid. Yeah. So stay tuned to the end. I'll explain to you what's going on. And then, of course, real quick, let's go through. Of course, you should be signed up for SMS messages. Text SIGTEX to 855-955-5095. We're well over 500 people now. And the next goal will be to get it to 1,000. We send out simple little text messages to let you know things like, like live stream is on. We have an episode dropping. All the important book news. And, of course... You also might as well... Oh, that's info at Empty Set. And so <laughs> newsletter. You also might as well be on the newsletter. You can get all the news. It's fit for Slightly more detailed info goes on the newsletter once a month, once every two months. We don't really hammer on it too much, but we will make sure you guys know what's coming up. So uh, before we begin with the questions, which we're about to get to, because there are a billion of them, or maybe a few less than a billion, I want to say this. In this past week, and I don't know if it's because Christmas is coming, the holidays are coming, Hanukkah is coming, Thanksgiving just ended, um, we've had a handful of people, and I'm not going to name who you are, but at least three of you have reached out to say, thank you so much for doing this. This has been a crazy time in my life, and it's just nice to have a thing to, it's, it's, I, I appreciate that you guys make the time to do this. And I've said this a bunch of times on this cast, and I'll say it a bunch more. Um, there is zero chance that we're doing this just for you guys. So never feel like I had a couple of people reach out and say like, I'm so sorry to bother you. I don't, I know that you have a whole job to do. Never feel like that. We we're, we do this because we also appreciate the community that we created with you guys. So reach out when you need to. Uh, we got to work on, we got to work on our sales philosophy. What's you that? don't admit you like what you're doing. <laughs> When you were selling a, you want to tell, you want them all to think that this is all for them and not for us. That's how that's how sales works. Never, never. Because you know what, we're not, not, we are not selling. (laughs) What we're doing is uh, creating a community that matters just as much. Always be selling, bro. Always be selling uh, as it does to some of you guys. Okay, tell them about uh, this real quick. Boom. Okay, yeah. So uh, there's a junkie party once a month. It's the first Saturday of every month. Uh, Our good friend Steve Rickyberg runs the whole thing, and uh, he runs it for hours and hours so no matter where you are in the world you can join you can pop in and pop out he spends the entire i don't know i think it's like eight hours there i joined this i know i missed the last couple of months but i joined this past saturday it was super duper fun i had a little too much to drink i think uh because i hadn't had dinner (laughs) but it was super fun and i told you guys i had a little bit of a head cold that's going better but i'm also planning on joining on the 7th uh, of january so if you guys want to pop in at any time you can you can just follow that link and do that and that would be fun uh rosa you don't know me you don't know you say the sigler smiles don't lie you don't know me i can fake it's why all of my Rosie photos is a friend of mine though so oh, why? she knows me in all of my smiles or in all of my pictures i'm always smiling you guys know this every picture i'm i'm not smiling ever because um very good at fa- okay i'm not good at faking a smile so if i smile that's probably a real thing let's start to get into the business here we go first of all we got to take a quick break i would like all of you who have a beverage to prepare your beverage I would like all of you who just have a regular glass of water prepare that. And if you don't, I would like you to hold up an imaginary glass because I would like to thank all of you for this incredibly momentous, fantastic thing that just (gasps) happened this week. You know, I've been calling for you guys to leave your reviews on Audible for Mount Fitzroy to try and get over 4,000. We are now at 4,007. I'll highlight it, but I don't know if you can see it. Bang. Incredible. 4,700 sure views from Mount Fitzroy, and we are over the moon with this. This, every time it goes up in increments, probably 250 to 500, et cetera, that gives a little juice to the algorithm on Audible. 
And yeah. uh, these are, as we say, if we get over 4,000, if you get over 2,000, you're crushing it. If you get over 4,000, mm -hmm. those are big boy numbers. Earth cores closing in at 13,000 because it's a runaway hit for us. But thank you so much. Yeah, we thank really you for reviewing it. it. And if you are an Audible customer, leave a review if you haven't already. And if you are an Amazon customer, same thing, leave a review, Goodreads, leave a review. The best thing you can do for an author besides buying the books is to go in and leave reviews, yeah. rate stuff. It's very important. Oh, there's sexy Ray Porter. I Check know. him out. Check him out. Tiny. He's doing the new book, too. All right. Yeah, he is. All right, let's go back to Maine. Now, we got a lot of questions, you guys. So that took a whopping uh, 12 minutes. We have... We're already going to go to 90 minutes here. So we're going to... Uh, so many questions 30 that minutes we can't, extra literally can't answer them all. So I'm going to try and do shorter answers. So this is the lightning round for the next 45 minutes. I'll do the best I can. You know, I'm long-winded. That's why I tell stories on paper. <laughs> So, because I'm sure which are long-winded and girthy, as you already know. Well, I got you so, know what you, you got girth dog. Over a little bit. Too? What you want? You just scoot this, this over here. Yep, perfect. Like that? Yep. Okay, you got yep. it. Okay, so I right. will do two things really quickly. I will say, uh, Christine McCullough, I see your questions about an advent calendar. We do have a puppy advent calendar that we've been giving them every day. We don't have the time for this today, but I'll give them their treats next week on the cast. How about that? We'll do it that way. Ray Porter is confirmed for shake book shakedown book one of the crypt, ladies and gentlemen. Ray Porter. Is mm -hmm. doing the crypt book one. You just got to see Ray. I did. I got to see Ray. Right? Uh, got to do a reading with Ray and with uh, Peter, Peter Kleins. Kleins yeah. Unfortunately, Jonathan the Man Mayberry was ill. He couldn't make it. All right. Enough of that. Let's get to it. All right. So we're going to start with a question for you, Scott. And then we're going to do a, a couple questions for you, John, uh, coming up. But, All right. Uh, first oh, we one got from... a big crop on Twitch. Hello, everybody on Twitch. Remember, on Twitch, uh, you can see this chat when I flash on the screen. But most of what the Twitch readers see is each other's chat. So talk to each other. Have a good time. And uh, weird, if, if you're Isaac, I'm going to ask your question today. So yep. stay tuned. Yep. Uh, from Adam Waugh, he says, I love all the timelines and stories in the Sigliverse. Looking forward to what the Crypt series will will bring. Mm -hmm. As for the crew of the Oleron, will there be any more backstory for Xan in future books or even a short story like there was for the creation of the Prowat? Okay, back to me. You're going to see the crew of the Oleron in GFL book seven and in the finale GFL book eight. As to if I will get to another adventure with them, I don't know. We have so much on our plate and so many wonderful opportunities, including what we're going to tell you about at the end of this episode. So I can't say whether I'll write another one. But gosh, I sure I sure would like to because that's a wonderful little, you know, Firefly-esque type crew. Um, you can tell so many super fun stories with those guys. So we will see how that goes. But you will definitely be seeing them at least twice more in significant roles and... All Love of the hanging pond. chads left from the Stone Wolves are going to be answered in 7 and 8. I just saw the Lundies are in the chat. I hope you guys are both hey, doing up, well. What's up, Lundies? Woo! You guys are both doing well. They are, they are uh, COVID uh, recovering. That's a public, right, public knowledge info thing. So taking care of each other and taking hope care you get of themselves. Hope you get better soon, guy. This is a question that came in from Emily Jacobs specifically for John. Uh, you can answer it if you want to, but this was literally just for John. Um, if you could meet the Krakens, what would you say to them? And who would you meet first? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it would be John Tweedy that I would want to meet first. <laughs> It's, it's he just seems such a such a powerful personality. I I can't imagine him being second in line to anyone else that I would want. That I would want to meet. Uh, I, I, as for what I would ask them, I I I have no idea. Um, probably how they manage to show up for work every week and not die because it's, it seems like something that's uh, pretty inevitable and and obviously it's a high contact, uh, pretty 
tragic or, or um, dangerous job. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, uh, but I'd love to meet John Tweedy. Do you um, do you have an NFL team that's your favorite? Uh, I do. I was born in Chicago, um, so Chicago Bears are my are one of my teams. Mm. But I have lived the majority of my life in California, so the Niners are my team. I root for both both teams, and whenever they play each other, I root for whoever is the home team. Yep, that's interesting. Uh, okay, so do you want to answer that question? If you could meet the Krakens, have an on field time with them, what would you do? Ooh, uh, probably the Krakens. Yeah, uh, bumper, bumper puff, no question. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to hang out with Cormorant Bumper Puff and just like hand him the phone book. <laughs> Could you read this to me? Yes, I can. John Viz Gara six one two and just <laughs> and I would just sit there and have a have a cocktail and listen to that. It'd be fantastic. I'm not going to answer that question about what I would do if I met the Krakens, but I will say that I have been saying for years and years my very favorite character in the Sigler versus John Tweedy. I think he's iconic. I think he'll survive past Scott's 133 years. I think he will eventually be uh, like a pop culture reference. That's what I think. A zebra can't change its stripes, bro. Can't do it. <laughs> Zebra can't change its spots. Spots. God, I missed it. <laughs> hey, Bruce Press. I love you. Hey, it's Bruce. good to see you. Um, and you can Coast do this on time, Monday. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Dial in on Monday. Yep. All right. All right. Next see. question. Let's um, rock. Let's rock. Boom. Churn. Churn. Jamie, uh, this is actually for both gentlemen on the cast with me tonight. Uh, Jamie Easley said, I love the, cra the characters in Scott's books that are hateable. Like Agnes, thank you, thank like you. Aramofsky, to name just a couple, and mm -hmm. Magnus uh, Paglioni as well. Are is there a special in for Scott? Is there a special inspiration for these peeps? And for John, is it just as easy to uh, review their dialogue as everybody else's, or do you get emotional about? Let's it? go, so John. You, John first. John first. Um, it's it's not I'll that much more up. difficult to review those uh, that dialogue. I mean, I, I recognize they're, that they're jerks. I, I'm not sure that I've ever recommended that someone needs to be more jerky. I do remember <laughs> a couple of a couple of times where I've had to say that this there was something that was a little uncharacteristically like yeah. there was something about Kimberlin that was a little more petulant than he was used to and so there were some some uh, dialogue changes in there but but for all the evil villains and everything they're I, I hate them from the get-go and I continue to hate them through <laughs> the editing life that I experience them so yeah, they're just as easy to, to to hate as the others are to love. And that's a super important part of, of John's job is to go through it. And he, he's he's not only got to look for the um, nuts and bolts of what is screwed up. And like I said, four plus three equals two here. So now over here it equals eight. He has to fix those. It's also, it's also sniffing out the character continuity. You know, little things like, yeah, are you sure he would say this at this point in his current state of mind? And both of those things John is really good at. Um, Sorry, you guys. Uh, I wasn't ready for the straw in my drink. What was the, <laughs> Knocked what? everything over. I'm so sad. Do I do anything special for coming uh, with the bad guys? Yeah, I love the character in Scott's books. For Scott, is there a special in inspiration for any of these people? No, because one of the main things I'm always trying to do with the bad guys is, it's a cliche term, but it's true. Everyone is the hero of their own story. And I often go back... That's to saying that the you know the the dudes who flew planes into the World Trade Center were so convinced they were doing the moral thing and the right thing that mm -hmm. they were willing to sacrifice their lives for that thing. You see it a hundred. Those times guys, in as as reprehensible as that act was, they believed a hundred percent that they were doing the right thing. Uh, without without the moral thing, without doubt. So that that's what I usually always channel. 
when it comes time to channel bad guys, I kind of channel uh, suicide bombers. You know, someone who believes that strongly or has been convinced to believe that strongly that they can do this harm to other people uh, and it's the right thing to do. That makes it super easy to write the bad guys because all of my bad guys, if I was to write the book from a different from a slightly different point of view, they would be the heroes and uh, Quentin and everybody else would be the villains and the bad guys. And I will say this as well. Um, for sure, pandemic is the is the for this specific question, this specific idea of being the hero of your own story. Pandemic is the one I get the most. Well, Scott gets the most emails about which I receive <clears throat> first. Um, and they always look like this. Oh, sure, sure. I get it. So if you're a person who loves the president in pandemic, you say, sure, sure, shove it, shove your liberal politics down our throats with the captain of the submarine at the beginning of the book. And if you love the captain of the submarine at the beginning of your book, you do. Sure, sure. Shove your politics down my throat. The president is the one who belongs in the story. And they are vociferous and passionate and not just spouting, you know, rhetoric. They are literally talking about why this is important. And I get more emails about that specific book hey, in this way uh, than any other book. So it's pretty interesting to me. Everybody, Mario's in the house. Say hi to hey. Mario in the chat room. Next question. Let's go. Let's rock and roll. All right. Let me cross this off. Uh, from Dan Baker, we have this. Oh, time out. Uh, quick question with Sean Dyer. Uh, John, make this answer short. How often do you get distracted while doing your job and get absorbed in the story and then kind of have to go back and reread? That does happen. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I, I, I tend to um, read the read the book out loud. Mm -hmm. So I, I it's not too hard for me to 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 come to recognize when I'm getting too far into it and, and, and I need to step back and be more objective about it. So uh, it, it does happen. But it, it's it, it, I usually catch myself as it's happening so it doesn't i don't lose too much time in in uh, in retracting and, and rereading and i have to reread idea. things over and over again anyway so uh yeah for uh, sure all right that's a really good idea i might do that i don't do that okay don't. back to chat <laughs> let's go next question boom okay, no, this one is for you it's from dr daniel baker phd oh geez he says you right. have said many times you have more stories uh, story ideas than you can ever write mm -hmm. so how do you decide what to write and in what order and in what format and has that process changed throughout your career um as far as deciding what to write uh, that is a the constant gnashing of the teeth in the Sigler household, trying to figure that out. Uh, We've literally gonna, been doing that for two weeks now. Two weeks straight. Every <laughs> yeah. night for two weeks straight, we have been pouring a drink and sitting there talking about what we're going to do next Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So it is, I have, I already have massive FOMO about everything all the time. Something my, my poor beleaguered wife has to deal with constantly. Not everything. Not everything. And he loves everything. All food. Yeah, well, that's all true. Food. All food. Except for celery. Uh, other than that. So uh, that is a constant. It is a con the major The major stress point in this house is uh, finishing books because I get distracted and want to go do something else. And the second thing is what do we write next? Because now we've been doing this for 20 years. We have enough experience to know, like, if I pick the wrong project and spend... 12 to 18 months on the wrong project or and three, I, three years doing it three years a trilogy and i guessed wrong and there was this other thing that would have punched way above its weight class that causes an enormous amount of stress around here because i want they're all my babies and i want to do all of them did i answer the question you did i will say uh in the chat room uh that we can see so it's on facebook if you're not on facebook i'll just read it to you uh uh 
uh, Daniel Lundy said, whatever A tells him is next. And that is not necessarily wrong. But I will tell you, with this new project that you guys have heard about here on Sigler in Place, where next Wednesday we're going to start doing a new live fiction reading that he writes once a week, um, I have had to be like, listen... I, I did say there's one property. I'm not going to talk about which one. You you guys haven't heard of it. Um, I, no, you can't do that. That's bigger and better than this project. You can't do that. It's too much. Yeah. But I, I for there two we weeks now, I've been saying like, okay, so today I'm just going to be advocating for A, and next week I'm going to be advocating for B, and next week I'm going to be advocating for A. And, and that's what I do every day because they're both viable projects, and I can't make that decision because he's the one who has to live with it every day for four hours a day. You know? Basically, so. I have in the fridge a 18-pack of eggs, <laughs> and every single egg that I would serve you would be the single most delicious egg you have ever had in your life. And the burden upon poor me, what I have to do to get through the day poor, is poor try, and, try and decide which of these impossibly delicious eggs to serve you. And that's the stress I take on for you guys because I love you. All right. I'm, uh, picking, I'm picking up all my ice. <laughs> Give me one sec. Go, back to, the, go back to the main camera. There's no problem here, ladies and gentlemen. No problem whatsoever. All right. There's just ice on our hardwood floor, so I had to pick it up. All right, baby. Next question. Is, Martin, what's up? All right. Uh, okay. So. You, Tracy, you cannot have the chocolate egg. Whoops. Back here. The They're all chocolate eggs. That's the fact. Oh, they're all yeah, chocolate they're all... and peanut butter and have high protein and make you live 10 years longer. It's a fact. Kim Hansen asked, does Scott prefer writing standalone stories or books or multiple volume series and why? Well, I haven't done very many standalone books because I'm, because I'm stupid. Uh, and I just promised myself after getting through book six of the GFL that I would not write another series, a trilogy at the most, and then sign a deal for five books for the crypt because of all of you, you people. Um, I think I like writing the series more because I can get more into detail. It takes longer to flesh out stuff and there's more delightful surprises for you in the series. When you write a single book, it's a little bit easier for the audience to go, oh, I see why he is showing me this baseball bat in the closet. You see that, and, and it's not bad, but you it, it's it's much easier for a certain type of reader to detect when that thing is going to come up, when Chekhov's baseball bat is going to come up. When you do it in a series, though, you get to do that and kind of hide it, and then when it comes up three books later, there's, and this is a small delight, but there's like 10% of the readers who email and go, is that the same shit you showed three books ago and then just Check didn't say anything about it? And I'm like, yes, it is. And that is a very special experience as a reader. So that makes me very happy. What we Eventually, what we'd like to do in five years from now is start to get into like, like three years of one-offs. Boom, 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 boom. Because those are much easier to sell as movies. And that's still a primary goal for us at Empty Set is to see our stuff made into movies and TV series. All right, what's next? I, I have to find a specific question. Great. I'll ask uh, in, the meantime, in the chat room. No, in the oh, meantime, I'll ask you from Nick Burke. Uh, if you have time, can you say, did you get to watch the Hard Knocks series about the Lions? Mm. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and do that while I find a specific right. question that I want to ask. Back to me. Not only did I, get to, did I get to watch it, I fucking adored it. It was great. Um, like... If you follow football and read up on rosters and stuff, even to a small degree, you already care about these young men 
and this huge opportunity that they have, you already know that 90% of them will not be there in three years. And there's, there's a, a wonderful level of excitement and opportunity and endless potential coupled with heartbreak and irreplaceable loss throughout the whole. That is part of the drama that makes sports great is once you get deep into a team, Yes, of course you have your stars. You've got your superstars that will be there for 10 years and be world famous, but you also have all of the other people who are on the cusp of greatness or missing out on their the dream of their life. So that is riveting to me all the time. But getting to watch it, the, the level of detail they put into the Hard Knock series for the Lions, and even if you guys are not football fans outside of the GFL, I highly recommend if you can cop somebody else's password for HBO, you go watch it because it's... It gives you a different perspective on how hard these people work to attain their dreams. And I loved it. And there's a couple of great stories. There's one guy, the line, there's a linebacker who was, you know, fifth round draft, fourth round draft pick. Wound up, now he's a starter and a, a key player for the Lions and will be there for the next five years. And then there's other people who were, you know, also lower round draft picks or third round draft picks who aren't even there anymore. It's fucking heartbreaking, and I loved every drippy emotional moment of it. And I'll say this: um, you guys know that, or you may you may know, I have uh, Jude, my brother, who is in the chat room, football fan his entire life. The worst thing I ever did to him, if I don't miss my mark, is uh, he had a. 1976 Pittsburgh Steelers empty beer can that had the whole Steelers <laughs> on it and uh, I picked a fight with him or we got in a fight or something and I think I stepped on it I, it might have been our mom who did it but I think it was me who stepped on it and I, if I don't miss my mark he probably still has that little crushed half crushed can somewhere so I didn't get into football until 2009 when he told me I had to pick an NFL team not the Krakens um, but watching Hard Knocks with Scott I learned a ton about football yeah. that I, I never ne learned before so if you ever get a chance to watch it even if you're a Krakens fan and not really an NFL fan go ahead and watch it you'll learn a whole bunch about the, uh, the Brent, Brendan if you can hang till the end of the episode I will tell you what is coming next we'll talk about it a little bit uh, after the after the end of the hour we'll roll long and tell you guys what's coming up. Yeah, so I've got a couple of questions for both gentlemen on the cast. Right, let's um, get John back up. <clears throat> um, for you both, number let's one. Let's do this. I, I, guys, I'm sorry. I know I'm screwing with the layout all the time, but I'm trying to make sure that John no, is presented okay. properly. I know, he does all the work. The proper John Viscara when we have an opportunity. Go, babe. So I'll ask you while he's futzing, John, I'll ask you, um, who is your favorite Sigler character? Ooh. Sigler character? Um... Ooh, uh, gosh. Um, I kind of, it's probably not a very popular choice, but I really like Angus Cool. Angus yes. is, is, the, is, is a villain, but he's also so integral and part of the, the main story. He's, he seems to be like, he's always included in the narrative and the discussion, even when he's not in the scene. He's such a powerful personality that he's talked about by other characters, even when he's not in the scene. Um, and he's super smart. I, I, uh, I, I feel like he's a pretty well-developed, uh, bully, even though he's, um, he claims to be the bully. He's, he's a, he's a victim of physical bullying, but he's a mental bully. And I don't mm -hmm. think he acknowledges or realizes that. And it makes that, it makes his pain that much more delicious. I just really like, uh, the Angus cool character. Uh, that's great. Yeah. How about you? Uh, well, I, you know, I've... <laughs> Depends on the day, depends on the day, by and large. But you know, 
But right now. I also like Angus Cool uh, a lot because, as John points out, he, he is a bully, but he is the smartest motherfucker in the room. He's All the smart, up, smartest person he's ever met. He's the smartest. Yeah. He's literally the smartest person he's ever met. And I enjoy Angus because Angus, and there, I, I can guarantee there's a few people in the, in the chat room right now have gone through these experiences. When you are the, the, the smart oddball in, in high school and, and in junior high, and then you start to come into your own and you, you develop a little bit of swagger. You develop a little bit of swagger like, I'm good at these things and fuck all those people who made my life difficult. And Angus is that exponential to a huge degree to the point where he's like, he's so wicked smart he could change history. So I enjoy watching I enjoy watching his, his arc quite a bit. All right, boom. Uh, so I'm going to say this before I ask the second question. Uh, my answer to this is the same um, for the first question and the second question that I'm about to ask. And my favorite character in the Sigliverse is Red Man. And that is my favorite short story as well, or my favorite story as well. That is the second question we did answer it last week so i'll also say this if i had to pick a second one it would be clayton detweiler De- detweiler because he's just so curmudgeonly and he's okay. very curmudgeonly has been doing his job well for literal decades and i would love to know what that feels like like i would love to know i know exactly what to do this horse oh this cow is doing that i know exactly clayton, what to do real, i'll make this quick but clayton detweiler is a fascinating character to me because you know uh, He's what he's basically a groundskeeper, a janitor to that degree. But you all of these all of these jobs that are so, somewhat dismissed and like when you, you're not going to see a, a reboot of Dallas mm. or Falcon Crest where the janitor is a main character. And yet these people are all, you know, they're very focused and very good at what they do. And when they are exceptional at what they do, they become invisible. Mm-hmm. The, the invisible people who are exceptional at their job and that's he's a little more mouthy though he's a little more mouthy he is and that that uh being exceptional about what you do makes you invisible is exactly how i feel about our in-book designer donna mugavero uh she is exceptional at what she does because when we give her a book it she makes her job completely invisible and that's beautiful and I love that so the second question that Daniel Ball asked was what your favorite Sigler story was and both uh, well at least John answered that and I answered that and I don't think you can answer that John answered the passenger is his favorite story last week so I'm going to skip that for now so that we get to new questions this is also a question for both of you gentlemen great Mark Duval asks uh, Scott, which of your own character deaths was the hardest for you? Mm. And does Big John V agree, or is his different? Uh, John, you go, go first. Um, hmm. I think, uh, well, okay, so obligatory spoiler, right? Uh, spoiler. Yeah, oh, spoiler alert. Thank you. Yes, this whole thing is spoilers all the way yeah. down. Yeah, um, I think one of, one of the hardest ones for me was, um, was Clarence Otto. Um, I I really was hoping that he was going to be part of, of, you know, any subsequent, you know, activity that happens with DST in any of the books. Um, And for him to have uh, had the the going out that he did, it was that was really rough. It it worked. It was beautifully done, wonderfully written. um, And uh, I I wish I could have I wish I could have taken it back or or come up with a reason why (laughs) continuity wise it didn't fit. But. I love to hear that, John. I love. I like that. a little bit of evil. Finally, a little bit of evil out of John. Just a little bit. Like because I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull the puppet strings a little bit. I legitimately <laughs> don't even pull punches when I don't like. And when I 
emotionally don't like as a reader something that happens, I tell him to fix it. <laughs> he hardly ever does. He never does, actually. <laughs> but uh, you have the right answer. Like, no, you can't do that continuity-wise. We need Clarence. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. Do you have one? Uh, the pers- the death that was the hardest for me, mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert, uh, yes. Perry and Contagious was very difficult for both the creator writing reasons and the ramifications of killing off franchise character. Did not realize how significant killing off franchise character could be. So from the business perspective, I learned a lot about that moment. I'm going to do it again, but... <laughs> I still, Sometimes you got it. Now I know, I know what I'm giving up by doing that. But from the emotional perspective, um, that dude came such a long way, both from the backstory before Infected, then his ordeal in Infected, then uh, you see how far he came in Contagious, and his last, his last couple of lines in Contagious, where he, know, he knows what's about to happen to him, and he fucking he, he he simultaneously can't argue with the decision and also can't believe that decision was made that mm-hmm. that that push pull that grinding right there to me is uh, I get choked up every fucking time I read it so that was my worst one and it's funny you uh, um, uh, Daniel did not ask me but I'm going to answer very quickly and say <laughs> I agree with John the the hardest death that I think I've ever had to read in uh, the Sigliverse is Clarence Otto. Um, a handful of you are talking about book in or, or worm in the uh, chat room and I will give you that but uh, he was so emotionally well developed for his own life that it was harder for me to watch Clarence. Now, before Clarence, spoiler alert as well, it was Margot. It was Margot. That was a rough and death. so part of the reason, and part of it is because Margot would have done that had she been in her right mind. She would have made that choice herself. She always put herself before everything else. And then that Clarence losing Margot didn't change his fate just kills yep. me yep just some people are cursed me some people are cursed some people are cursed some people get married to her and have an awesome life some people don't so that's kind of the way it goes mm. all right next question let's go let's rock and roll uh, justin black asks what's your routine every day when you get to work what operations do you go through before you start working here's the deal so the operations that go before i start working happen the night before when I finish the workday, and I have to have a calendar reminder to finish the workday, otherwise I will just work until I fall asleep at the desk. Uh, then I take, I, finish, I shut down the main, I shut down my work computer, move that to another room, make sure the desk is clean, and then I set up the writing computer. The writing computer runs from 8.30 till 12.30. It has no social media, no email, no nothing, only a web browser and a Microsoft Word, and that is it. Uh, and so that is, that is the process. And if I, once I'm in this room, you're looking at right now, if I don't have little messages popping up or the phone beeping or whatever, the four hours goes by so fast. I'm not even sure I'm sane. So (laughs) that is the procedure. We figured that out about six, seven months ago. And -hmm. now that will be the procedure from here on out. Four months ago. But yes, we did. Yeah, you people and your time. Whatever. Uh, whatever. Isaac, uh, who I believe is on Twitch. Isaac the Weird is on Twitch right now. Uh, he has a couple of questions. First is the Combine in the Rookie and later GFL books a reference to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Is the Combine a reference to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Yep. I'm not going to say no because I might have dropped <laughs> lines because I drop movie lines and everything all the time. But... 
the combine is an actual real, yeah, thing. real thing. It's yep. a real, not to the extent you see in the GFL, but these young men I'm have not to. Sure, I understand. Jeez, she's crazy. <laughs> God damn, yeah. Siri. These young men have to go do this thing called the combine, and the combine, of course, is a huge amount of physical tests, mm -hmm. and it's. I'll make this quick as I can. When you have to run your 40, when you have to run your 30, when you have to do your, your, your shuttle drill, all these little things you have to do, the knowledge that if you miss a step, if you screw something up, you could be missing out on, you could be the difference between you being a late second round pick and a high fourth round pick, which could mean the loss of 100 to a half, 100,000 to a half million dollars to your family. It's an enormous amount of pressure. Then on top of that, you still have to go through the Wonderlick test, which is to measure your football intelligence. They're looking at your IQ. They're looking at your grades. They're looking at your your did you did you did you serve did you serve in the community? Did they look yeah, at your social things? standing? And then then they have just general interviews where you are like a, a twenty year old nineteen twenty twenty year old person, and you sit down with all these adults who are effing grill, and you know that every single syllable you say is the difference between where you get drafted and how much money you will make before you are too physically damaged to continue the sport. So the combine is an absolutely grueling thing that not a lot of people understand. So that in itself is what the combine is supposed to be, which is magnified. I probably have one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Let's go. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Next question. Uh, from Scott Atkins. Um, uh, the first one, super easy. The first time Earthcore was cast was, in, er, was podcast was in 2005. Uh, the rewritten Earthcore was podcast, I think, in 2019. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, the one that you can buy in stores today is later. It's 2017, 18, 19-ish, something like that. Uh, John will probably correct me shortly. <laughs> but your second question, um, 
Are we? This is a question I will answer. Um, are we ever going to get to hear Mount Fitzroy? I've been waiting uh, since mm. a long time for that because I can't monit I can't monit manage audiobooks only podcasts. Now here's the answer. It's hard to take. Never. We will never, never podcast Mount Fitzroy, and it's because. The the um, publisher who bought it is Audible. Yeah, and Audible gave us concessions to um, to promote Audible, like in our contract with them. But they were not willing to give us uh, podcast rights ever to this. And we've revisited it a couple of times. Um, I will say this: there may be. Um, in the future, things may change, but right now we gave up. We talked about a ton about it with you guys on this cast, uh, but no, we will never, 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 never podcast Mount Fitzroy. So if you want to read it and you don't do audiobooks, you can get an ebook or a uh, tree book, and that, that will be the only way right. you get to read it. Just so you know, we've literally got 15 minutes left. No, that's only till 7. We're going to 7.30. Both of these are oh, 90 minutes. Got Great. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. What do we uh, got? Spoiler alert, you guys. Uh, I will ask a question from somebody who personally knows Scott right now. Oh, Jesus His name Christ. is Ryan Minto. He oh, went, Jesus I think, Christ. to college with you, right? Or well, we, wor we worked together Okay. a long time ago. He asked, did you consult your legendary dad or your brother uh, while creating the character for Hook or the Hook Chest? Uh, no, I did not consult my father because my father would look at everything Hook or the Hook, Hook Chest does and say that's ridiculous. When at the same time, everything Hook or the Hook Chest does is my dad. So this is the perspective of watching a a championship caliber football coach at the high school level. I was not a star player. As any of you've met me in person, see this the the you know the breadth of this chest and the the height and the power, the power in this body. Uh, I was never destined to be a great football player. Also, I couldn't kick the ball more than 15 yards. People look like me usually kick the ball. But watching him do what he did to improve the lives of hey, uh, many, many young men, and when he coached track, many young women, uh, I got to watch all this shit. And he'll tell, he will tell you that none of this happened. Everything Coach Hillcourt, the hook chest says, is words out of my father's mouth. So I didn't have to model anything. I'm just like, I remember this. I remember this. I'm, that was it. Yeah, simple. And I will, I will add that I have heard Coach Sigler, old Coach Sigler, which is what he calls himself, because of course Scott's brother is young Coach Sigler. Um, I have heard out of his mouth, I know you're better than this. I know you have this in you. I know you can do better. I don't understand what's wrong. Is it me? Am I not helping you? I've heard that. I've also heard um, Blue Twisted Steel and Sex Appeal. Blue, Blue Twisted Steel and out Sex of, Appeal. Out one of my Coach dad's. Sigler, old Coach my dad, Sigler. I'll tell you this. We'll move to the next question. Last part of this. My dad had the single best way to insult you and yet not insult you at the same time. And that was, I'm going to go and throw one of my friends uh, high school under the bus. His name is Ron Brown. Ron Brown. Ron Brown <laughs> Sorry, was about Ron. Ron Brown was about 225, 230 when he was hey, a Shannon. junior. And absolutely the nicest fucking human being I've ever met in my entire fucking life. There's just no one as nice as this bitch. He was so fucking nice. But when you get on a football field, he's this giant, strong farm boy. And he should be just throwing people around left and right. But he was just, he was a little bit too nice to play football. So my dad, my dad, like he would make a mistake. And my dad would look at him and be like, Ron Brown. How do you not know? You're smarter than this. You're probably the smartest guy in this field. How do you not know when to pull on a 36 keep? Come on, Ron Brown. You're smarter than this. And that was, uh, I always remember that because it's not an insult to yeah. tell someone they are smart. 
and yet to say <laughs> you're yet. not being as smart as you are, what's wrong with you, is an insult. Yeah. And it's great. It's wonderful. All right, let's go. So this hey, is, Shannon. Uh, this is specifically for John, but you can answer it too if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lily Higgins asks, John, what is the weirdest thing you've ever had to do in name in the name of research and continuity for empty sex? I got nothing. John, it's up to you. I could. T- I, the, I think the strangest thing was when we were. It was when I was editing Pandemic, and uh, and I had I had you had made a reference about um, uh, University of Michigan or something like that, and I I raised the question to you. I said, "Is is the University of Michigan?" near where the explosion was in contagious <laughs> and right. would it would it have uh you know would it would it be in the radioactive zone and would it even be an operating university at that at that time and within like a minute and a half scott says oh yeah no it's uh it's it's located in this particular city it's this many miles away and you can see the he, he drops me this screenshot of this uh nuclear cloud over the over the map and says <laughs> It would it would it's outside of the of the area that would be, you know, affected. And I and I, I said, did you just come up with that? What, how is it that you have radioactive fallout modeling <laughs> software at the at the ready where you can just look this kind of thing up? And he says, oh, yeah, I have to use this thing all the time. <laughs> so that was that was a, quite an eye opener. And, and uh, yeah. And, so I, all the time I have to figure out whether everyone watching here, whether you're, if your city gets nuked, your town gets nuked, what happens? I know. I know. Yeah. I will also. Or if you want to know, just ask Scott. Yeah. yeah I'll tell I will you. also add, since you mentioned that, there there was also, while he was writing Fitzroy, which if you haven't read spoilers, uh, is underground, a lot of underground, he he reached reached out to a bunch of um, spelunkers, cave dwellers, cave all people who were specifically trying to go as deep into the earth as they could as a human being, and one of the answers back was like, "Well, this is lovely. I would love to talk to you, but I." Um I'm about tomorrow to go underground. I won't be back for three and a half weeks and nobody can reach me. Yeah. And I was like, why would, why would anybody do that? Why would anybody go somewhere for almost a month where no one can reach you? And that means you can't reach because anyone. Because they want to be killed in one of my novels is why. <laughs> True. But that's, that's why great... you go underground for three weeks. Goddamn. Let's right. go. Brian Trotter asks, longtime listener, first time caller. Did you know when you wrote The Rookie that Quentin's father... Quentin's father was the killer with his amazing power. Follow-up, did you know that Yitzhak was in the ZG as well? Uh, I will be honest. The um, No, I don't think I knew. I don't think when I wrote The Rookie, I don't think I knew that Quentin's father was the killer uh, and, and that broader thing. I knew that his father had something going on, and then there's some shit you guys are going to see in the next five years. This part... The part you will see in the next five years is stuff that I knew. Um, the bra- the whether it was physically a killer. No, what was the second part of that question, honey? Uh, was uh, did you it's know that Yitzhak was in the ZG? Hundred yes. percent. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, no, Yitzhak was. And John, John, you call me on my bullshit because my memory is not so good. But, but I, I believe, well. I believe, I knew that Yitzhak was going to be a much bigger deal than he was portrayed to be in The Rookie. John, is that true, or did I just make that shit up to make myself sound better? Uh, I think, I, I'm not so sure about The Rookie. I'm, 
but uh, for sure in the starter, right? Because it's it's one of these things that, that you kind of alludes to a question that you answered just earlier, where you, someone reads something in a book and says, oh, is that the thing you were talking about three books ago? And that's that's the whole thing with the uh, the parade in the starter, where they where they get their, their parade and their mm-hmm. uh, Quentin is apparently attacked. The star, star quarterback is attacked, and it turns out not to be attack on him at all. It was an attack on, on Yitzhak. Yep. So um, you kind of... From that point, early on in the in the planning, um, you had it as uh, uh, as Yitzhak being the target, and so therefore must have been more important than we ah. really perceived him to be as a third string quarterback. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. So I have a question from Elisa, Elisa, Elisa Brogan. Okay, for you, Scott. If you had one hour to change one thing about one character oh, goddamn. in one of your stories, mm. would you do it? And if so, what would you change and why? I don't know. I would say probably not, because unless there is an actual time machine involved, every book, every book in the Sigilverse that I write is so intrinsically intertwined with the next book and three books ago and four books from now and the shit that the shit that uh, John and I work on, um, it, I call it the domino effect. And it, I go through this a lot with A. Like I'm almost done with the book, then I'll go. You know what? This character wouldn't do that, and then I'll go back and change change one little thing, one little fucking mm-hmm. thing, and that one little fucking thing I change causes me another four weeks of work, causes John another two weeks of work, makes the publisher makes the publisher John. say, "What the fuck are you doing? You're late." So it, that's what I call the house of cards of the domino effect. You, you you pull one little thing that looks like the ace of clubs doesn't look that big of a deal. You pull it out, everything fucking collapses. So the answer is no. God damn it. Fucking no. I'm not doing that shit. I wrote it. It's in print. Deal with it. I will also add 100% no. Scott would not do this for any reason. But for me, from my perspective, the reason is one hour is not enough. If he only had one hour, he couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't possibly. If he had an infinite number of hours to change one character in one way, would he do it? Yes, infinitely, but not in one hour. That's I what can't, I, I can't. I can't. Pro- that's the reason. The reason. The reason John's works. John works with us is I can't process that shit. <laughs> My brain is not wired for that shit. All right, here we Couple go. Couple of questions for both of you, gentlemen. This one's from Steve Smith. Since the Krakens are a quith irradiated team, do their colors, the orange and the black, have anything to do with the quith eye colors, the joy and the rage? You son of a bitch. Uh, yes, absolutely. What you just said is shit that John and I have talked about a hundred times. hundred times. Well done. Well fucking Finally, done. Finally, someone else figured it out. <laughs> also, all you guys watching, I will say that I'm pretty sure the person, the human, the gorgeous gentleman who created the quith eye color chart is Mr. John Vizcarra. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think. <laughs> but that was that's that was reverse engineered though. I didn't create the colors that go for the emotions. That was the chart was created from a, from what had been written. A hundred percent. But but the idea that Kevin he was referencing a chart son. before you created it, not not true. Not true. No, honey, I'm, no, I'm not the one to consult on color. That's true. <laughs> you know that. No, no. 
no. Uh, I'm not telling John that single. Sort of I'm not telling it. that single press story right now. But uh, okay, let's go. But now go. I'm let's embarrassed because I just did the same thing. For those of you who are not in the know, John, who just outed himself, is colorblind. So that uh, was probably babe, a thing I should have. Can known. you uh, email that one directly to me so I can then pretend I made that shit up? That'd you be should, great. Sure, Fabulous. Let me circle that. I'm very, Fab- I'm very... Excellent question. I also right. wanted to, to mention on the, the previous question about uh, about rewriting things. Mm-hmm. I think the closest that Scott's been able to do that kind of thing where he gets an opportunity to revisit and rewrite is when he's been taking these originally podcast novels and getting them in print for the first time. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. He does get to redo stuff. It certainly is way more than an hour, um, but it's an opportunity to clean up plot holes, do more robust character development, and all that kind of thing. So that has been explored to some degree, but it's not something once the, once those canon books are established, um, it, going back and revisiting them the, to find something that you would care enough about that you would want to change, it would be so intrinsically intertwined with all the rest of the continuity and every other story that would be impossible to take. Yeah, you can't, you can't, the the problem with writing in a, in a continuity and, and really paying very, not only close attention to the continuity, but bringing someone on board who, who understands, who has a better mind for continuity than I have is this shit is threaded out. If I live to be, if I live to be a hundred, we've got shit that's threaded out for the next fifty years. I'm not even kidding. Uh, so it's a, it's a it's a big issue. We can't just change things. Yep. Ready Sean Dyer in the chat room. Thank you for sharing that color chart. Um, I have another question from Sean Birchwood for Shane. Sorry, sorry, Shane Birchwood for both of you guys. Um, and it is if, oh, sorry, what action would Sigler be? If Sigler was a verb, it would be something dirty. I'm pretty sure. And I'm going to go and switch camera over here so my wife can pretend like this isn't actually happening. But I'm going to guess if Sigler was a verb, there definitely would be some kind of lubricant involved. Probably a Vulcan. I'm going to guess probably a crankshaft from a 1972 Dodge Duster. And then I think really just to make it, you know, so that the people down, the people home, down home people on the farm can get along with it. I think, I think a pint of whole milk. There you go. That is what it no, would be. No hula hoop. No, no bar. Yeah. No, no, that's John. That's dirty shit. Pookie's a dirty, dirty man. No, no, we don't do it. Not in this house. No, we're very, we're peers of driven snow around here. So for you guys who are going to listen to the podcast and are not watching this live, I will say, while John thinks if he would like to add a definition for a verb, which I don't know why you would after that, but you could if you want to. Uh, we have um, Steve Rickerberg in the chat room saying it would definitely mean jumping on a table in public true that's happened uh, <laughs> uh sean dyer just like john asks wouldn't it require a hula hoop yep, yep. <laughs> daryl harris might win the day the verb <laughs> is an increase in girthiness yeah oh yes yes there's a lot <laughs> john do you have anything to add I, I don't know if john oh. wants to add to this considering this is a workplace environment yeah you can't touch the perfection <laughs> <laughs> it's not the best answer that i think it could have happened okay. uh, Okay, I'm sure someone wrote down what the fuck that uh, the Sigler verb means. And uh, yeah, next question, baby girl, let's go. Okay, George Gray asks, you are always so forthcoming on social media, unlike some other authors. Yep. Can you tell us one thing hardly anybody knows about you? Oh, okay, that's a very, okay, okay. Uh, One thing hardly anybody knows about me is, hmm, 
that a lot of the personality you guys see on this show and on the podcast, all of this stuff is I'm very lucky in that this is all just super, this is my my natural native state. When I'm in front of people, I'm kind of, an, I'm, I'm naturally an entertainer. I usually like the people I hang out with and want to entertain the people I hang out with. And so the shit I do that you guys see, this isn't an act. This is, this is me, but there's a lot of, I would say there's a lot of stuff that's very much under the surface that I don't talk about uh, on a regular basis because I don't think, I don't think, I'll make this short. From my own perspective, when a creator talks about this crippling anxiety or this crippling anxiety or this thing or this thing, I think that kind of detracts from the story that's being created and makes the story the creator. And I prefer to create things where you get to appreciate that story as part of your escapism from your own problems. So I guess the things you don't see are the, the, the mental, emotional, societal issues that I have. I just keep all that down. Like, that's why, that's why in Sigler Junkies, everybody's great about, and there's no politics, there's no talk about bigger things. On also, Two Pups, One Cup. Two Pups, One Cup, Facebook.com slash Scott Sigler, the newsletter, everything. We really try to bring a lot of the positive, because all of us have a fucking shit ton of negative that is always lurking around like sharks, looking for a way to bite us in the ass. So the things that bite me in the ass, I just don't share that with you guys, because you've all got your own ass bitten, and you don't need to do with my shit. That's my answer. So I'm going to do a lightning round with Scott for a few questions. But before I do, John, I want you to know that the the question I'm going to ask you after these handful of uh, three or four or five questions that are rapid for Scott is from Baza in Sydney, which is, what is your favorite insult in the rookie? So it'll give you a little bit of time. And I assume because this is the adult version of the rookie, he's he's incorporating any insult in the rookie. So in the meantime, while you think about that, I'm going to ask you a handful of rapid fire questions. Okay, let's go. In the stone uh, from Todd Taylor in the Stone Wolves. Did the inspiration for the Ponsky sisters come from the world famous Pontani sisters who often tour in support of lost straitjackets? Not at all. Not familiar with them, but I'd like to know more. Next question. Okay. Yeah, great. I'm uh, from Steve Mazer. I'm a longtime fan since the earliest podcast. I deeply love the original version of the Rookie, but I've always wondered the following. Did your original plans for the stories and the characters change subtly or majorly? When the target audience for the GFL was moved into the young adult character, almost almost zero changes. They're literally the the edit for the uh, the published version of the rookie was primarily for language, and secondarily there were a couple little things I was happy to have the opportunity to clean up. But no, it's basically the same story just without just without the word fuck in it. From Daryl Harris, will the gate technology from Infected ever show up in future stories? Yes. Next question. Uh, also from Baza O'Donnell. Oh, no, no, that's the big one. Um, hang on. There's another one in here somewhere. I just have to. Uh, from J.R. Murdoch, he says, others have written novellas outside the main story, but still tied to the main story of the GFL. Will Scott write any other stories in this same vein or longer before or after the GFL is set in other worlds, not Earth? Uh, no, we're done with the novellas. We have six. We think they're great. Uh, I really think The Stone Wolves is a fucking fantastic. Uh, we finished, I think, with The Rider and The Stone Wolves. I'm absolutely delighted with that. Props to Paul Cooley. The Fiend Master did a great job on the writer, and props well, to J.C. Yeah, Hutchins yeah. for the Stone Wolves. All of them. They were great. Absolutely outstanding work. But we have we have other things that we want to get to before I kick the bucket. So, no, you're not going to hear any more of those stories. Uh, Owen O'Connor. Uh, Owen O'Connor. 
my, Love my brethren. Fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Owen O'Connor asks, are novelists born or made? Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, let's go to Maine. That's a, That's a rapid fantastic fire question. question. I believe that, that novelists, it's both. I believe that you have to have a... You have to have a predilection for wanting to tell stories and also wanting to self-flagellate with a cat of nine tails on your own back all the time and drag yourself through an endless morass of barbs <laughs> and rhubarb and all the other things that end the word barb. If you don't like if you an don't endless like endless morass of rhubarb might yeah, be very endless, if you don't <laughs> if you don't enjoy pain, you don't want to be a novelist. <laughs> At the same time, if you were someone who does enjoy pain, but you have you couldn't grab a storytelling stick with both hands if your butt was on fire, you can learn, like I did, to work through that and develop the skills in order to make sure your constant self-flagellation is going to result in a story that people will like. So it's both. Okay, so I have two more questions, John, just so you're ready, and then I'll come Good back job, to you. Steve Rickyberg. Uh, yeah. Plus Steve Rickyberg in the chat room said, Justice for Barb. Justice oh, wait, for not Barb. that kind of Barb. Fuck that. Like, they just, <laughs> the stranger things people are like, fuck Barb. We don't care about Barb. I love Barb. Let's we go. love Barb. Barb is Pookie Chang. Barb was supposed to be the throwaway character that nobody would forgive. That everybody remembered that bitch. Yep. Everybody remembered her. Yep. Owen O'Connor also asks, when you sold... Oh, wait. Did we get back to John and his? Not yet. We've okay. got two more questions. Let's go. Uh, one, rapid fire. Uh, when you sold your first piece of writing, how did you celebrate? Well, let's go back to me and Cam. There are some stories that you people never get to know. But I will say, there was an Irish bar in Ann Arbor, Michigan... There was probably a couple of rounds of me getting up on the bar. Shocker. In the Irish bar in Michigan and having people I thought that were faking Irish accents working behind the bar tell me, get the fuck off the bar. <laughs> Only much later did I learn these were not fake Irish accents. They were, these were actually and people from Ireland. And they literally wanted you to get off the bar. And they bar. literally wanted me. It wasn't a game. This wasn't a game, bro. It's not a game. Get your fucking dirty fucking feet off the, off the bar, bar where we're serving you fucking drinks and all these other people. And there may have been a couple of fights involved. It was a long night and there was a lot of black and tans. That is all I can say at this moment. So Next it question. turns out that Steve Rickenberg is right for the verb for Sigler. It means to stand up on a table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and your last rapid fire question comes Shoot. from Marius Bampanato. He yes, says, I house. know the Sklorno take names for football famous Earth cities. So what did Volvograd do for football? <laughs> okay. That's actually a good question because, of course, the inspiration for that was Brazilian uh, soccer players, footballers, who just decided, you know what? You know what? My name's Fred. Fuck you. No last name. Fred, bitch. That's my name. And remember it when I score many goals upon you. So that was kind of the inspiration for this. But eventually... Not everybody can be New York. Not everybody can be St. Louis. You can't all be Los Angeles. Eventually, Not everybody was Marie Antoinette in a past life. Correct. Eventually you run out of shit and you wind up with like names like Toppenaby and <laughs> Sheboygan and Des Moines. Well, That's what you wind uh, up with. First two both in Michigan. Uh, third one in, of course, uh, Des Moines. I don't know what uh, fuck Des Moines is, to be honest. In the, I don't know. Fucking some I, yep. to I state. Okay, so now we're bringing John back into the fold to ask the very important question that inquiring minds need to know. Okay. What was your favorite insult in the rookie, John? I, I it's it's impossible to to pick one. It's the the, the creme de la creme is is basically anything out of Chick McGee's mouth. 
<laughs> I mean, he's, oh, good call. he's got so many just beautiful insults uh, throughout, not just the rookie, but through the whole series. Yeah, good call. Um, I, it, it, I cannot pick one, but I, every time I I, uh, I hear Chick McGee saying something that is an insult, it actually makes me physically put my hand in my, <laughs> in my head and shake because I know it's just it's just awful. And I actually read that question maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I I couldn't, without looking, I couldn't come up with one because there's, like you say, there's so many. You don't have um, uh, something in mind, I don't. I would imagine. No, I yeah. don't. I, 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 there's a lot of insults in the Sigliverse. I can't possibly keep up. Um, Chicks we, are very verbose, so it's hard to remember just one because he, he has these layers of insult on, you know, one on top of another. But uh, So let's see. Um, okay, so that was Mario. Uh, let me see. All right, we got... Um, we got a little bit of time. Oh, we're good. Yeah, yeah let's roll. Rock and roll. Um, All you guys hanging out. Okay, you know what? We're going to take a break real quick before we go back to questions because I told people at the end of the episode, we're going to talk about what's coming next. I'm not going to make you guys wait 25 more, five, five more minutes while I drunkenly jabber through these answers. So, real quick, here's what's coming up next week. This is why December 14th is, is very important. And if there's other reasons December 14th is very important, I don't fucking know. I'm not trying to make a point. I just, this is why it's important. So, what we're going to do next week... For the first time in the history of man fucking kind, we are going to, I will write a story on Friday for this new property I'm going to tell you about in a second. Then on Wednesday for the live stream, I'm going to read it live to you. So you'll be the first persons in the world to hear it other than the two of us. Then we take the audio from the Wednesday read that gets edited, put into the feed that becomes the Sunday podcast feed. We take the video, and the video is going to be done in 10-minute chunks, and we're going to put the video on Instagram Stories, on Snapchat, on Facebook Stories, on Facebook, on YouTube. We're going to put up the episodes and TikTok. label TikTok, everything. We're going to label everything accordingly so that if you, if you have a preferred social media platform, you're going to be able to get this. And then we're hopefully going to put a little countdown timer so it's 10 minutes ticking down. So when you see it, if you're a short attention span like me, you're like, okay, you know what? I got 10 minutes. I can take 10 minutes. I can watch this. I can listen to this. And there's a couple other uh, crazy shit we're going to do, too, that we haven't quite got to yet. This is all an experiment. I think this is a huge potential to develop a Wednesday night community where we all get to fucking hang out and listen to the story. Because the first half hour is telling the story. The second half hour is talking about the story and also about Sigliverse stuff and fun stuff. But part of that second 30 minutes will be... Hopefully, telling you guys, like, what did, you, what did you think? What do you think this character would do next? And maybe some of that will get baked into the story. So it's sort of a live boiling pot experiment in creating some crazy fiction that you guys might get, get to be a part of. That is the strategy that we are entering. Yeah? You something, baby? Uh, if you guys have never or weren't around for the, the first, the very, very, very first Nocturnal... Uh, podcast. This is a very similar thing to that. He would write during the week and record on Saturday and publish as a podcast on Sunday. And I just mentioned earlier in the cast, uh, he had thought uh, Pookie would be a pretty disposable character. Yeah. Uh -huh. And after the second episode, he got a bunch of emails saying, if you kill that motherfucker Pookie, you're in trouble. You all knew. You all fucking knew. Uh, so Pookie, of course, lives on. <laughs> so let me give you a brief spoiler on the content some of you may have followed me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Scott Sigler. Some of you may have seen the comment about the sex gnomes. Uh, you guys. That's actually for real. There are really sex gnomes in this. There's a lot of crazy shit. The basic 
premise is this. Before you say anything, Scott Singler, yes, you had this morning or at lunchtime, you had said you have a whole extra day. You have all day tomorrow to decide between the two properties. So if you say this now, you're stuck. No, fuck them. If I say this now, <laughs> <laughs> if I say this now and I change my mind, that's on y'all. Hey, nothing that, there's nothing I need to nice do. To see we you, have honey. sorted through 26 different stories that I have wanted to write forever in a day to get down to this one including two that the boss, the CEO said, you cannot do this in this fashion because those are going to be, uh, I, she knows these are bigger, bigger things that I have bigger plans for. So we can't really, we can't do them this way. So we picked a property that I think would be very entertaining, but is also not quite as fully formed as the others. So I will uh, not bullshit. This is not well thought out, well plotted. This is going to be largely my first experience writing as a gardener, which is plant the seeds and see where the story goes. I've talked to Wayland at We're Alive and like, well, I have a rough outline for this for the season, but if things change, we will go to the changes. So here's the story. So the basic story is this. In a nutshell, you've got your Van Helsings, you've got your Buffies, You've got your Winchesters. You've got all the great monster hunting people of the world that always seem to do this shit and put themselves at massive personal risk. And they get paid diddly squat. And this is a story called Slay about a man named Lincoln Franks who has been a monster hunter. And then at some point, Lincoln Franks says, you know what? You motherfuckers keep putting me in the way of all these minotaurs and dragons and demons and ghosts and goblins and succubuses and all this other shit, and I'm done with this shit. Do you want me to kill a monster? Fucking pay me. Fucking pay me. So it's pay to slay is the general concept. Pay to slay. <laughs> and there is an enormous amount of family damage in this cat that you guys are going to get to see, but that is the gist of the story. There's a lot of drugs involved, there's a lot of booze involved, there's a lot of blood involved, and there's a lot of fucking sex gnomes involved. And that is what you guys have looked forward to. So please join us next week, December 14th, Wednesday. We're going to do our first live read. I would love for all of you to be there. But if you miss it, it will be in all the feeds. Everything will be fine. And Done. as you guys already Ow. know about a Q&A, uh, they're spoilerific. What you will learn next week is the swear jar goes the fuck away. Oh, there's no swear jar. There's no swear jar. In the live Also, read. <laughs> if you guys like to listen to my shit with your kids, I highly recommend you change your mind. Highly recommend. <sighs> I do have a couple questions for John and Let's Scott go. as well, but I do want to say in the note, uh, can you give me back this, please? Yep. Uh, so I do want to say, uh, related to that, there were several questions that sort of read like Joe Bolvin's question, which is this one. Uh, did you announce an upcoming date for GFL Book 7 pre-order? I understand the books may or may not come out in 2023. I'm just wondering if you have an update. As you know, we, junk we junkies look forward to getting a low number limited edition hardcover for our collection. Almost as much as we look forward to the actual book. So here's the thing, you guys. No, we haven't. I have said, Scott has said several times, we hope that it is out sometime in late 2023. However... We learned our lesson with the gangster, and there is not going to bum rush the, the pre-order. That's not going to happen. We are going to put it up as a book for purchase. And I know that stinks. We are still working on whether or not we're going to do, how we're going to do signings, how we're going to do like big book plates so that you can get a personalization, things like that. We're going to, we're still working on that part. But what we know in the new world order with supply chain issues, 
And after the disaster that was 20 months waiting for Gangster, we're almost assuredly going to do this as a print-on-demand hardcover. And so you will be able to order the book when the book is ready yep. to be shipped to you. And, and then we'll figure it. out, like I said, <clears throat> we've thought about lotteries. If you guys have any ideas, please email them. We thought about a thousand things to number these books. But in the new world reality, which is a pandemic it, that's Mary. full of supplies, supply issues, it is unfair to us and to you to ever go through the gangster pre-order again that took almost three years. So yeah, we're not going to do that again. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. We, we throw in the towel. <laughs> you motherfuckers win. You fucking win. Uh, for all the fucking work we did, we had the motherfucking company that did the Country Music Awards voting. <laughs> okay. The Country Music Awards okay. fucking voting. Okay. And we okay. broke their shit. Okay. We Okay. All right, I'm on. Ben Fraley, uh, maybe you can have a Jawa sign it. I'm just saying. God damn it. <laughs> but no, seriously, what we're what we're thinking of There's doing is... There's not enough is... scotch to do this goddamn show. Not enough. Shush. And he's out of scotch, and I spilled my whole drink. So I'm sober. I'll finish the cast. It's okay. With John. Um, but before we get back to John, I will say... Um, we will figure out how to have them personalized. Right now, the contender, if you guys have any ideas, feel free to email them, but make sure they're fully formed ideas, not have you thought about book plates. Because I think about book plates every day. The current idea is a tr like a translucent book plate that is about the same size as your as your uh, end paper. That's about six inches by nine inches. That we oh, can yeah. do. We can we can uh, have Scott individualize and write a personalized message to you and we will ship it to you if you ask for it that's our current thing but we're nowhere near um getting ready to ship this book it is uh john has done his review i've done one review <laughs> scott is uh about to go into the whenever it is time he'll go into the final edit but that's probably not until at least halfway through <laughs> 2023 and we'll figure that out so if you have ideas that are more than suggestions please email them to info okay. at in, info info at empty all right ladies and gentlemen that is the that is the news for the next thing i hope to see you guys next wednesday we're gonna do 50 more minutes of lightning round questions but by all means if you got to go about your business and take care of your kids and all your pets and all that shit. Go crazy. We're going to do 50 minutes of lighting around shit. And at this point, I've had two scotches. I am no longer no responsible. Dinner. No yeah. longer responsible no for my emotional reaction. Serenity now! Let's go. Okay, so this is a question for John and for Scott okay. individually. Um, John, why don't you go first? Give him a moment to calm down. Um, which book or author uh, from growing up had the greatest impact on you and did that influence your work with Scott? Um, so when I was a kid, I was a comic book nut. Um, and for absolute certain, the, uh, the exposure of Marvel comics and the way that they wrote all in the same world and established a continuity world and universe that was common to all the books that they wrote or the majority of the books that they wrote mm -hmm. absolutely is what drew me to Scott's, uh, books. Once I started reading you know i was i read one or two of his books so that, was, that was that was great and then as i started to recognize the plot points and the connections between the different properties that's really what drew me to him and it absolutely uh was a, a wonderful um uh, thing to discover that uh he had this whole universe all thought out and was uh continually dropping new pieces into it and then for me to be able to be a part of that was was just icing on the cake Wonderful. And Go. what about you? What uh, story or series from your childhood or author influenced the way you write today? Hmm. 
Well, it's it's. I would say now, um, huge, Marvel's a huge influence. The Marvel, the the chronological watch through, mm-hmm. is validated what I've done and changed the way we're going to do things because it's so fun. It's so flat out fun to watch these yeah, little Easter eggs pop up. I'm drawing a little bit of a blank on on what I what I read that brought up I don't all think, the Easter eggs. You know, like this constant all that continuity much different thing. Than John, I think. Probably, uh, I mean, Marvel's comic books, comic books really were probably a huge part and, of it. And RPGs influenced you. Well, well, the RPGs, the storytelling style we set up when I game master the champions in Dungeons and Dragons, and knowing that this thing, if I tell you this thing on February. You know, 1986 and then 1989, it pops back up again. Watching people lose their fucking mind when they're like, what, what, wait, what, <laughs> what is it, it's just an absolute delight as a storyteller. But you know, I'd probably I'd probably agree with John on that. It's because I was a huge consumer of comic books back in the day and comic books were the only place in comic books, not comic book TV shows. The only place you saw continuous storylines and people popping back up in a long, a long style of storytelling was comic books up until we had 24 and Lost and shit like that. All right, next question. Uh, so I'll just add quickly, I can't remember the name of the series because it's not the Xanth series by Pierce Anthony, but there was another series, I'm pretty sure it was Pierce Anthony, where it was uh, two worlds on the same planet but out of phase, and one was science and one was magic. Uh, that, that's the Adept series. The, the, the Adept, yeah, that's oh what I thought. God. Yeah, Nicely done. Oh, my God. Uh, that is the reason I went to school and studied chemistry, because I really, really, really wanted to study acting and be a a theater major, which I was as well. But my parents, who were wonderful to me, they were like, cool, that's fantastic. If you look at that as a career, I don't mean to say you should have something to fall back on, but you should be multifaceted. Which was a nice way not to say like, oh, honey, you're not going to be a famous actor. Like, you should have something. And so that really influenced me there. So I have another question Shoot. for both of you guys. This is from the Reed Lockets, who are good friends, personal good friends of ours. Yep, and let's a go. lot of you might have met them at Siglerfest. Uh, for each of you, what do you think is your superpower? And can you give an example? Uh, I'll do, whoop, I'll be right there. I'll do mine <laughs> first. My superpower is the ability to go to sleep almost anywhere, almost anytime, get actual good sleep. Hey, next. Uh, it's John. It's John. John next. Yeah. Let's go, John. Uh, yeah, my superpower is uh, is is not being the uh, Scott described me as the file cabinet, but I think I'm more of the index system, um, being able to figure out how to find something out instead of actually just knowing it. That's it's yeah. a it's a very easy thing to fool people into making them think you're smarter than you are. Yeah, you you had said that by text with us a, a little while ago. Like, oh, I also fooled you guys too. But I have always thought of your mind sort of as a rolodex. Like you can. Oh, Nope. Let me go back a little bit and figure out the thing. And you just need a little thread to get in there and then you can find it, Um, which I love. I think that's fantastic. Um, Okay, there was one more for both of you. Oh, there's actually three very rapid fire questions for all three of us. Robbie Claire asks, number one, what is your current favorite cocktail? Oh, well, I think that that's not a cocktail. That's though. okay. That's the thing you drink my, every day. My, my favorite right now is just straight up scotchy scotch scotch. <laughs> get in my belly. They wrote that movie for me. That's the whole yeah. thing. All right. Now, John, baby. Uh, uh, do you, I'm not sure how much you drink, so I'm not sure if you have a favorite cocktail. 
I, I don't drink that much anymore, but I have the, something that my wife makes it, which is super yummy. It, it's we call it a fancy drink, and it's got like pomegranate juice and cherry juice and uh, like uh, flavored soda water and uh, limeade uh, mixed Ooh. together over ice, and it's just delicious. Delicious. We call it we call it the fancy drink, and I have at least one a day. I love it. I love it. I am currently. I am. Um, we are uh, getting together with a handful of a very small handful of friends for New Year's Eve because it's very COVID crazy right now in the United States. And I'm working on two cocktails that I want to bring because we're sort of uh, hosting the the cocktail part of the event. And I'm working on a blood orange, I guess, margarita. That's currently my favorite because I taste it every day. All right, here we <laughs> uh, go. Nope, there's two. These are, um, and then what is your favorite food right now? Favorite food right now is Kung Pao shrimp. Next. <laughs> and John? Uh, my mom's uh, ribs recipe, Ooh. which uh, oh. she left to me, and that I that I just absolutely love her barbecue ribs. And sauce. and do you make it often, or is it a special occasion food? It's a special occasion thing, and it's usually maybe once or twice a year. Oh, I love it. I have no favorite food. I love all foods, but right now I really love um, Korean food. I'm working on a lot of Korean mm. things because he loves spicy mm. food. So. Okay, so mm-hmm. um, Kim Hansen asked uh, you, Scott. Yep. Important question: Since the quith smell like onions, is that raw or cooked onions? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm gonna have to go with cooked onions on that one because cooked onions smell amazing. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um, Let's see. Uh, question for also from Kim Hansen on Cormorant Bumberpuff. Yep. Along with the mention of how a captain would never be the first person to leave a ship and make contact with aliens, <laughs> Bumberpuff sounds quite a lot like he's channeling William Shatner oh, for or sure. Captain Kirk. Yeah. Was that Scott's intention? And if so, how much so? It was 100% our intention. Uh, a was with me in the small. There was a, yeah, the small San Francisco office. Then there was a bigger, and by bigger, the bigger office was 468 square feet. And it was four rooms. It was a weird, weird place. The small office was like 12 by 10. And I had the booth set up there, the four by four booth. And I remember we were sort of running out. This is sort of before I discovered if I just channel a stand-up comedian and impersonate a stand-up comedian. It's a great way to come up with a new character voice that's very different for me after doing hundreds and hundreds of characters. And we, I think we both, we, we talked about it. We came up with it. Like, ah, it's the captain of this ship. And what are we going to do? And like, we're both like, oh, fuck. It's just, can you do a Shatner? I'm like, yeah, I can do a Shatner. <laughs> Not a good Shatner, but I can do a Shatner. And for sure, uh, that was 100%. That, it, without a doubt, uh, Bumber Puff is a, a unabashed love letter to James T. Kirk. Okay. Um there's, there's two questions. I'm going to read this one from Ali Kirby, and okay. then I will mention after he answers. There's a similar question to that, and I'll try and find it while he's talking. But from Ali, he asks, uh, we in Australia love the rookie in both the adult and the YA versions. Yep. How hard was it to rewrite the adult version to make it YA and read as if it was always meant to be like that? Uh, it was very easy because we really basically just changed out the insults. We we probably subtracted about 30, 40 percent of the insults. Uh, and then we just changed the rest of them. So it was it was it was pretty pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, so I'll add. And uh, the secondary question was: Are we going to put out all the other books? Because um, the 
only the rookie exists as an adult novel and somebody asked are we going to adultify the rest of the novels and the answer is absolutely not nope. because what scott doesn't remember from 2009 is it wasn't as easy as just finding every fuck and making it shuck or finding every shit and making it shuck or whatever it wasn't that at all because there if you guys have heard uh there are a handful of uh, moments on the field especially where they're lined up and the linemen are being terrible people to each other. And that kind of goes away in the YA version. And there is no point for us to ever put out an adult version of the rest of those books because to do that would confuse the marketplace and we're not in for that. And it would also destroy the fact that we can put the GFL into school libraries. It has to yeah. be Lexile rated and that means they have to be only YA edition. So that will never, ever, ever, ever happen. Yep. Okay, uh, next one. Here we go. Let's see. Uh, Scott, from Connie Harold, what is the worst advice you received when trying to launch your writing career? <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say the worst advice I ever got was from an absolutely fucking delightful human being who was my agent at the time. So I said, you know what? We've been at this eight years. Nothing's happened. I'm going to start recording my own stories and giving them away as a free podcast. And I was told, don't do that. Whatever you do, do not give away stuff as a podcast that will screw up the audio rights. And if the audio rights are screwed, that could impact any potential deal I could land for you. And uh, I said, I'm going to go ahead and do this anyway. So that was the worst advice because I, I don't have a career without the podcasting. Um, Next. Okay. Uh, Balam Tran asks, tell us a secret, if you can, about one of your characters. He also asked if he won't do it and you have one, John, you do it. <laughs> Um, and it is, uh, he says, tell us a secret about one of your characters. What don't we know? Does Q actually have mods? Is Perry still alive? Uh, a secret, a secret that they don't know? Yep. The, f the fuck do you guys think I do for a living? I'm not going to give you that right now. Go home. It's over. No. Okay, John, any, anything on your side? I feel like John well, will not I mean, I, I've, I've got a couple ideas, but I'm not sure whether I should say them or not. <laughs> they're, they're, they're secrets for a reason. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's things that are, are put into the, into the stories that are, are not obvious, um, and you'd have to either work to know them or, or, or listen a lot or read a lot to really recognize them. Fair. I have one that I wanted to, to say, but I'm not sure uh, if it's it's one that I didn't even know until um, Can when you we were. Text it? Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll ask text a question. It. Text it to me, and I'll ask him a question in okay. the in between. Uh, Dan Williams says, "I have restarted the crypt from the beginning from my podcast st stocks. Am I to understand there is more crypt to come?" The answer oh, to that Jesus is Christ. absolutely. Yes. This is the thing trying to reach trying to reach everybody. And tell, like, look at, like, we go through so many links. Like, we've already told on all the channels, the newsletter, the, the, the crypt is coming. The crypt is coming as a, as a finished book. I think that's um, fine to share. Yeah, that's, that's totally fine. We do that next. Yeah. The crypt is coming. Uh, we expect it out in 2023. Our partner on that, the publisher, is Athon. They're doing a great job so far. We're very excited about it. It's going to be five books in the series. The first book is called Shakedown. You don't get to know the titles of the other four books. But it is uh, some military SF horror shit. That book one only scratches the surface of the horror stuff. It gets bonkers. Okay. Uh, so John did have a, uh, you guys might never have noticed this, but it's worth sharing. 
So this I only this only came about when I was uh, editing the gangster, which is the sixth book in the series, and what the tenth or eleventh book that was uh, or or no, novel novella in that series. Sorry, yeah. And it took me that long, and I never even realized it until uh, Scott mentioned that it was uh, something that he had provided to one of his other editors to use and watch out for, and that is that the quith do not use contractions. And that's something that's pervasive throughout every book. You won't see the quith ever saying can't, don't, shan't, or whatever. Yep. Um, they they don't they do not use contractions. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that's pretty good, Scott. Um, where do you like to write? Do you have a favorite spot, and do you have spots that you won't write in? Uh, uh, that's from Lennon Shaw. I'll make this quick. I have built before the last two years. I built my entire workflow on me pair of headphones and a laptop. A Macintosh laptop. So I can go anywhere and I can write anywhere and have the experience the same environment all the time. Last two years, we've gotten a bigger monitor, which I'll show you guys right now. Okay, let's go. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Six, six alive. Yep. Uh, the, the bigger monitor has made a great change because I can have a, I can have a Siglopedia up on one panel, a Google Doc spreadsheet on the next, and then just a browser on the next. I have all three of those up in front of me. So now working when I'm not in this very office you guys see this from is much more difficult now. Yeah. All right. So it is 7.30. So we decided we were just going to do 90 minutes because John has a, a lovely wife and a whole life, and he spent his whole evening with us, and uh, this is longer than you guys are used to hanging out. Anyway, I do have a handful of leftover questions. They're going to go into the normal rotation on Sigler in place. Great. If there's something that you guys absolutely need to know before we move forward with the next cast, go ahead and email that to in, info at empty set. I still never am going to know how to do this. There we go. There, there well, we go. Hold on. Um, oh, wait. No, I like I fixed this. <laughs> I fixed this for you, baby, because I love you. There you go. Info name set, bottom of the screen. <laughs> oh, great. Terrific. Um, in the meantime, John, is there anything else that you wanted to say on this cast? Um, no, it's been, it's been a blast. Uh, oh, I've really enjoyed the, this time and answering questions and contributing to the content. Absolutely. We, of course, you know this. We love you and Kim to death. We love that all the work you do for us, and we love to work with you. So thank you so much for coming on two weeks in a row and everything else you guys do for us. Yep. My pleasure. Um, all right, John, we're going to, in our very slick production style, we're going to hang the fuck up on you now. That's what we do. Good day, sir. <laughs> love you. And end meeting for all. Boom. And now we go back to this. Uh, Sylvia, welcome to The Fold. Thank you so much for joining us and reading all of the books. Uh, everybody in the chat room, all the lovely, lovely Nico stuff Dini, that nice you are to saying. See you right at the last minute. <laughs> and good night to you all. It was oh, so much fun to have John on the show. It's great. John is like a like a like a like a data chip in the head, and and having the ability to just be like, dude, I am melting down. I've written for twenty hours straight. I, what the fuck is this and this and this? And John's real calm, like, okay, let me take a look at that. I think that was in book three, and then also this paragraph here. It is just a absolute joy, and I don't think I don't think a lot of authors have that. I don't think a lot of authors have that. So yeah. I'm eminently grateful to John, dear friend, and thank for being on. Yeah, and babe. I will also say, uh, John has this sort of innate ability to never say like 
oh my god, really? Did you forget that Pookie died? Which he didn't. That's not a spoiler. Or something like that. He's not never rude about it. Ever. He's like, listen, I just wanted to point out, like, Stay if you look at thing. this page in this book, and you go to page 17 in this book, you can see that that is not really what you said before. So maybe you can do it this way. He is so lovely and polite. Uh, yeah. So I love that. Thank you so much for joining us, Don. Right. I do one more thing I want to say before we do our, our closing. Um, yep. Jay Freak from Twitch, 7 7594. You are welcome. We try really hard. We work with the Blind Library of Congress as well to try and make our books available whenever people need them. But that's a big reason. Um, part of it is, of course, that Scott started as a podcaster. But it's also, uh, you know, entertainment should be as accessible as it can be. And so we try our hardest to do that. Uh, if you guys are not in the chat room uh, right now, jfreak7594 mentioned that he appreciates having or they appreciate having, sorry, um, books available to uh, blind readers or, or vision-impaired readers. So yep. we All try right. and do the best we can there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, is that it? Can I That's continue the, to go to the outro? <clears throat> All right, so uh, let's go. Okay, so So if you guys have any additional questions, if, we, if, if any of this brought up another question, if Scott's uh, explanation of what's starting next week uh, garnered any questions, go ahead and e email them to info at MTSAT. Info at MTSAT is the best way to get in touch with us for any problem you have. Um, and uh, until then, um, I think we'll be back. We'll be back December 14th. And while I will not promise how much of this will go into the story, there will be sex gnomes. <laughs> there will be dragons in bondage gear. Mm. And there will be well-hung monitors. So, okay. So, so we want that is to, new uh, to me. So we'll see yeah, if that yeah, lasts surpri tomorrow. Surprise, baby. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. We'll start but, a new show. So uh, until then, we want you to stay smart. And you guys, stay science. Read the news. Protect yourselves. And for the love of science, make sure you pay attention to people who have actually studied science their whole gosh darn lives and have little initials to prove that they did, and not people who just want to get a bunch of clicks. That's what we promised you. And now we're also going to go Lions. Also, go Lions. Four out of five. If we lose the rest of the games, I still think it's a fucking fabulous season. And go Jets. Jets, 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 Jets. Still in the playoff spot. We want you all now. We'd be Isaac, rude. I am also scared. We want you all to kiss off into the sky. Good night, oh, ladies and gentlemen. We will see you next week with a brand new story. You will be the first people in the world to hear any part of this story if you join us on December 14th. Now you can all kiss off in the sky. Ready, baby? Yep. You have been listening to The Rookie, book one of the Galactic Football League series. Produced by Ariok Morningstar with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. For more information on the author and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Superweapon, superweaponband.com. You're trying to say
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.